Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exone Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Welcome back, everyone, to Paranormal Stakeout. It is I, Larry Lawson, your host and guide on our continuing journey into the unknown as we attempt to find the answers as to what really exists on the other side. And as always, I'm coming to you from the headquarters of the Exxon Radio and Television Broadcast Network out of Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And I'm speaking to you from the southern command post of the X-Zone Nation in beautiful Vero Beach and Felsmere in the good old U.S. of A. Um, really excited about the show tonight, folks. I think you're going to enjoy it. I have with us uh, Mr. Greg uh, Fakatek. Um, and Greg is uh, the co-founder, along with his wife, Kathy. And he's also the lead investigator of the paranormal uh, team Tri-C Ghost Hunters based in Ohio. Greg was a Twinsburg police officer for 29 years until retiring in 2011. He has been studying and investigating the paranormal since 1991 and has conducted over 250 investigations throughout the U.S., Canada, and Scotland. Some of his investigations and travels have taken him to some of the most haunted places in the world, including the Stanley Hotel in Colorado, the Crescent Hotel in Arkansas, Waverly Hills Sanitarium in Kentucky, and the Edinburgh Vaults in Scotland, just to name a few. Greg published his first book, Insights into the Unknown, A Ghost Hunter's Journey in 2015, and his second book, Roads into the Unknown, A Ghost Hunter Journey, continues in the fall of 2018. He has also contributed to other paranormal books uh, during his time. Greg also does lectures and presentations on the paranormal throughout Northeast Ohio, and he is currently the lead investigator at the Ohio State Reformatory in Mansfield, Ohio, and the former ghost hunt manager for the old St. Joseph Hospital in Lorain, Ohio, my old stomping grounds. So, Greg, welcome to Paranormal Stakeout, my friend. Thank you, Larry. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm really anxious, and we'll get to this later on tonight. I want to talk to you a bit about Mansfield. That place holds a holds a big interest for me, but a cop. So you're, you're one of the family. Yes, I am. Tw 29 years when you, uh, uh, came up through Twinsburg the whole, the entire time. Yep. I spent my whole 29 years in one city, Twinsburg, Ohio. Yeah, well, thank you for your service, my friend. It's a, it's a, a lot different world than when you and I started back then. what back then. Oh my gosh. Is it? <laughs> uh, so, you know, cops, First responders, the paranormal. I am finding more and more 
often these days, how many of us really find an interest in the paranormal? How did you get started? Um, gosh, man, I, I started uh, pretty much when I was um, a young teenager. Um, and it wasn't because of experiences. It was because I just thought UFOs and Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster were pretty cool. So mm-hmm. I used to read everything I could get my hands on. Um, I, I mean, just the unknown, uh, uh, the mysteries uh, really intrigued me. So, mm-hmm. you know, that just segued over into the, you know, hauntings and ghosts. And, and here I am now. Yeah, all these years later. Do you think, I, I mean, I, I look at my own self and I find that uh, my interest developed in the paranormal. I, frankly, I had an experience as a young cop. Uh, that's what got me going on it. But it is that investigation into the unknown. I spent a good portion of my career as a detective. I know you you did also. Mm-hmm. And it's that investigation, that, that searching for the answers, I think that really intrigues me. Uh, do you think that's a common theme through throughout those of us in in the le field uh, yeah i think so because i i mean here you have an unsolved crime that you're trying to put the pieces together mm-hmm. to uh you know figure out what happened that's basically the same thing you know in uh, the paranormal you've got something that's unknown and you're trying to piece uh, all the uh, parts together to come up with a conclusion and a final answer to find out what really is going on and that's and that's probably the greatest investigation any of us will ever embark on Um, now have you ever had an experience on the job it's it's funny because i I get emails you know from different uh, tv shows you know if asking if i have and unfortunately 29 years i never did um but it but i did my, my first investigation was a fellow police officer's house Ah, so, I mean, they all knew that I was into it. And uh, so I actually investigated, uh, I think, four police officers homes. Interesting. And uh, they they didn't want to send you for another uh, psych eval or anything (laughs) like that. No, no. Everybody, you know, everybody thought it was really cool. I mean, nobody, you know, ridiculed me about it or anything. They found it just as uh, fascinating and interesting as I did. Yeah, and, you know, I know you, you go on a call, you're in the in the middle of the night, you get a uh, call for an alarm in a building, you get there, it's a motion alarm, you get there, the building's nice and tight, the air conditioning's not on, there's not anything in there moving, so what the heck set it off? Or you you see that thing flash, you know, on, on your peripheral, and you just, uh, you know, that's ah, just my imagination. All mm-hmm. kinds of interesting things happen out there, at least, and, and I, I just find it very fascinating that so many of us, and, and I'm not just talking about cops, but also uh, uh, EMTs, paramedics, firefighters. I'm really shocked how many have an interest in it. I've, on my team, I've got um, a retired firefighter, for example, and, and, an, and another former cop. So mm-hmm. it's just, yeah. j- just interesting. Um, when did you have your first experience? My first paranormal. I mean, I had an experience with a uh, like swamp gas uh, in my early teens. Uh, I, I didn't consider that paranormal and scared the crap out of us at the time. But uh-huh. uh, but my, my first paranormal experience happened in uh, 1997. 1997 at my uh, sister's house in Missouri. Okay. Uh what had happened, I, I was going through a divorce at the time, and uh, I this was going to be my first Christmas away from my uh, children. So I went then visited my sister, uh, who lived in a, you know, it was a house built in the 20s. It, it was a huge house. Uh, there were uh, three floors. The top floor was like a ballroom. And uh, I slept in the guest room. And they always told me that, you know, their weird stuff went on there. Well, I was uh, sleeping in their guest room, and in the corner of the guest room uh, were all these Christmas uh, presents, you know, in bags and packages and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, stuff like that. Uh, so I, I got up in the middle of the night to use the facilities, uh, went back and laid down. All of a sudden, man, those bags started going crazy. I mean, it was like somebody was rummaging looking th- for their gifts. 
I mean, scared the living daylights out of me. So I hurried up and flicked on the light and sat up. And of course, there was nothing there. Uh, and ne never could figure out what caused it. It didn't happen uh, anymore uh, nights that I stayed there. But I did find out that a couple months prior to my experience, my aunt and uncle were sleeping in the same room. And they had some bags and packages in that same corner. And the same thing happened to them. Ah, uh, okay. So there, there, there was other weird stuff going on in the house that uh, they had experienced, um, but uh, that was it, it's just I mean, just couldn't explain it. And you'd already been in the uh, and actually actively investigating for a few years at that point, correct? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I was reading everything I could and did a, you know a couple of small investigations. Um, so. Yeah, and then we ended up, uh, you know, investigating her house. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you got a team, TC, um, the Tri-C uh, uh, Tri Ghost Hunters. What does Tri-C stand for? Tri-City? Um, right now, Tri-C stands for Cleveland, Canton, and Columbus. Oh, uh, okay. Three cities in Ohio. Uh, we are in the process of getting a new Cincinnati team. So... I don't know if we're going to be like the Big Ten, you know, still call ourselves Tri-C and have uh, 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 four teams, or we just may combine the Canton and Cleveland team, so we'll just be Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati. Okay. How, so how large is your team? How many people, uh, how many investigators do you have? Right now, in all three teams, uh, including what we have full-times and auxiliary part-time, we have 37. 37. Now, when you say full-time, this is what, the, like, they do 40 hours a week? No, no. We, we just, um, you know, we, we distinguish our, our investigators from full-time investigators. Uh, those are the ones who actually have criminal background checks that, that we do on them. And they are the ones that actually uh, go into the private residences uh, to do investigations. Uh, auxiliary members, they help out at like conventions. Uh, we do a big paranormal and psychic fair every year, and, and they come out and help with that. Or if we do a, a fun investigation, like next month we're going to Waverly Hills, you know, they, they come along for that. Gotcha. Okay. So you're full-time members. Um, what kind of training do they have? Do you do the training yourself? Do they come to you trained? How does that work for your team? Uh it, it, it just depends. I mean, it, it, you know, we interview people that want to join our team. Uh, and if they don't have any experience and if we think that they're going to make a good fit, uh, then we, we will train them. It'll just be like police work on the job training, you know. Uh, and uh, other than that, you know, right now we're trying to get uh, members who have experience. Mm hmm. And, but the only problem with that, though, sometimes you'll, you'll get uh, members who have experience, but they do things a little bit differently than you do, or their beliefs are a little bit different. Uh, like, you know, our team does not believe in orbs at all. Okay. So, you know, if you get somebody that, you know, they really believe in orbs, then, uh, okay, now we got to try to, you know, figure out what we're going to do here. I guess I'll have to show on my presentation. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> Uh, we're getting ready to take our first break. When we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit more about training and, and, and structure in the field and get your thoughts on that. Okay. Um, so, uh, folks, stay with us. I'm um, with uh, Greg Fakatek from uh, Tri-C Ghost Hunters out of Ohio. So stay with us. We'll be back right after these messages. It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by Shaman Worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, 
international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. And we are back on Paranormal Stakeout with my guest tonight, Greg Fuckatech from the Tri-C Ghost Hunters based in Ohio. Am I getting the last name right, Greg? Uh, it's close. It's actually Fuckatech. <laughs> Fakatic. Sorry yes. about that. I want to make sure the, the folks hear that. Sorry. I, you know, it's, it's not an easy name, so <laughs> you're forgiven. <laughs> Thank you for that. Getting back to our discussion on your, your team and the training, um, uh, well, let me ask this question first. Equipment. What kind of equipment do you guys like to use? What do you prefer? What don't you like? What works the best for you? Tell me a little bit about that. Okay. Uh, our, our team has every almost every piece of equipment out there. Uh, from a uh, you know thermal imager all the way down to like dowsing rods and pendulums. Um, uh, right now, we actually have a couple team members who are building uh, SLS cameras. Okay. Uh, and so you know we're we're starting to use those. But for me personally, uh, the majority of the evidence that I capture are EVPs. Uh, so I like to have an audio recorder with me. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten to the point where when I used to go out uh, now, I mean, private homes are di- are different. You know, we, we bring everything. But like if I'm, in, you know, investigating the Ohio State Reformatory, well, most of the time I just have a recorder, a digital camera and myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, right now I you know, when I'm investigating OSR, I'm not there to try to prove anything. I just want to have a personal experience. Sure. Um, but uh, have you, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, go on. Ohio State Reformatory has it ever been referred to as the Ohio State Prison? Uh, no, it's been referred to as the Ohio State Reformatory or the Mansfield Reformatory. Yeah, that's that's the way I've heard it. I, I just saw something that came across uh, my desk a couple days ago and I was talking about the Ohio State Penitentiary, and I, I thought it was actually uh, Mansfield. But Yeah, there, there was a, an Ohio Penitentiary down in Columbus that mm-hmm. is, is no longer there. So sometimes people get you know that confused with the, the Reformatory. Ah. Well, g- getting back to your work then, so you prefer, you prefer the, the basic tools for yourself. Correct. What have you found works the best? I mean, of, of all the equipment, I know what you prefer to use, but what have you gotten your best evidence off of? Uh, well, like, like I said, you know, um, ma- majority of the evidence that we capture are EVPs, electronic voice phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you know, when I do go around, um, I will have like a digital camera with me or, you know, I'll have a GoPro on my chest. So mm-hmm. just in case something does happen, you know, I'll be able to capture it. Um, but I, I mean, you know, yeah, I've got evidence on, you know, my video cameras and rarely anything on, you know, photographs. Uh, r- rarely. I've taken about at least 30,000 photographs in all my investigations, and I have 12 that I would consider possibly paranormal. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, audio, that's, I mean, most of the stuff's um, audio by far. Well, I, and I kind of agree with you. I'm finding that that, and t- in my opinion, I think that's where the next big breakthrough is going to 
come through. That's just my opinion in the field. I think that's where we're going to get the, hit the next level, but mm-hmm. o- only time will tell. Right. So now that we, with the equipment and everything, what kind of training do you guys do with your equipment? I mean, and the reason I'm asking is I have, and I'm sure you have to come across folks that mean well, perhaps, but they have no clue what what those lights and whistles and bells mean on the equipment and what it's really telling them other than oh my gosh there's a ghost here right <laughs> so what what do you what do you guys do to train your folks to understand the theories behind the equipment well uh it's funny that you ask ask that i mean generally you know it's been on on the job training where you know we'll explain to uh, our investigators you know how this certain equipment works but uh, next month, we actually have a mandatory uh, training meeting for our Cleveland and Canton teams up here uh, to go over all the equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're having all our members bring their equipment with them. And, uh, you know, we've got the new SLSs that we're going to be going over. So, you know, we're just going to have a, a, you know, training uh, session where we can go over everything. Be- because, I, I mean, you know, everybody uses a K2. You know, and everybody sees that flash and all, it's all they get all excited and say, oh, my gosh, <laughs> there, there's a ghost here. But, I mean, walkies set that off, cell phones, uh, sure. police radios, cell phone towers. Uh, you know, you got to be aware of your surroundings and, you know, what, what's in the area. Like at the Ohio State Reformatory, there's one area as you go into um, solitary where the K2s always go off. And that's because there's a big electrical box right on the floor below in the basement. Uh-huh. So, you know, people go past there and like, oh, my God, look at this going all the way up to red. There's something here. No, there's an electrical box in the basement. So so you'd agree that tra- training and having folks understand what all this means is is important. Very, very. Yeah, and and I'm, you talk about your big training session, that, and that's, that's excellent. I, I'm a big believer in that. What are your thoughts on standard, you know, like in, in our business, in law enforcement, you go to the academy, you know, you go to, you, you have a certain curriculum that you follow, you get out of the academy, you go through field training, uh, now you take advanced training. And even though, you know, a homicide in, in Twinsburg is going to be, uh, th- there may be some rules that are different in Ohio than down here in Florida, but essentially you're going to investigate that homicide the same way. Right. Would, would you agree? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. What are your What are your thoughts about doing the same thing in our field? You know, coming up with, you know, everybody's going to ask questions differently. I mean, you may interview a suspect a little bit differently than I do, uh, but we still have certain guidelines we got to follow. Well, why, yeah, why, I mean, there are certain things that that you have to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, take for example, doing you know, an EVP session. You know, something as common and as simple as an EVP session. When you're doing an investigation, mm-hmm. you know, it's like in, uh, you know, and we have training for this and we, especially when I'm at the OSR leading some of the hunts, it's like, do not whisper during mm-hmm. the EVP session. You have to call out every little noise you hear. I mean, if somebody's stomach growl, you know, call it out because if you don't, it sounds demonic when you go back and listen to it. Oh, you should hear uh, my stomach growl. It does sound demonic. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, the the basics, you know, I think the basics everybody should do. I mean, like when we start it, you know, we'll give the time, the location, Excellent. the location in the location, and we will have everybody present uh, call out their names uh, so we know what everybody sounds like on the recorder. So, yeah, something like that should, should be standardized as far as I'm concerned. And, and so many, I'm finding so many teams don't do it. And once again, a lot of times it's, it's because it's just of lack of knowledge. You and I do this because that's what we're trained to do. But I think that type of standardization would allow teams all over the world, fr- frankly, to do things in a standard way so that when we collect evidence, it can be looked at with a lot more credibility because you're following a standard procedure. Make sense? Exactly. And, and uh, my, my second book I actually have a chapter in here called Techniques of the Investigation uh, that uh, we're actually going to be printing out and handing it out to all of our team members uh, mm-hmm. because it talks about, you know, doing an EVP session, you know, 
you know, calling this stuff out, you know, this is what, what, what you do. And, uh, you know, and that way, what you capture may be paranormal and may not be somebody yelling outside that you didn't see. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Know? So, um, so folks out there listening, standardization training, come, it's vital if you're, if you're going to enter this, into this field with us. Um, Ouija boards. Talk to me about Ouija boards. Is that part of your standard equipment? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, you know, I've got my personal thoughts about Ouija boards. I know a lot of people swear that they're evil and they open these doors. Uh, and I say, nay, nay. Uh, and, and the reason uh, I don't think so, Ouija boards were not considered evil or doorways to uh, hell until a movie came out in, I think it was 73, called The Exorcist. Uh-huh. Before The Exorcist came out, Ouija boards were nothing but a game. Soon as that movie came out, I mean, everybody thought they were possessed. Everybody thought that Ouija boards were the, the worst thing ever created by man. And I don't think so, because what is the difference if you're sitting there with a game and a plachette that you're touching and you're asking questions or using dowsing rods, asking the same questions, using a pendulum, asking the same questions, or doing an EVP session, asking the same questions. I see no difference in any of those. <laughs> it's amazing you mentioned that because I, I'm personally not a fan of Ouija boards myself um, for the reasons you discussed. But when you really look at what we do, there really isn't a difference. And I, you know, I, I look for, I guess, the justification of, well, we're, we're looking to see who's there, not conjuring. Mm-hmm. But when you get, when you get down to it, you're right. You know, and that's, that's, that's something I, you know, we, I guess we need to look at because it, the Ouija board does have a bad rap, but that's an, it, an interesting take on it. From it you. does. And, and, and here, here's why too. A lot of people believe Hollywood. Hollywood comes up with a lot of stuff that they make up that people actually believe as the truth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can't believe Hollywood. You know, movies are just entertainment. It's not the truth. Yeah, uh, well, look, hey, look at all the cop shows out there. You can solve a homicide in 35 minutes, right? Exactly. And I know you've had that before. Well, you, they got fingerprints on the TV show. Why can't you get them right now? Exactly. So. Yeah, you, you hit it right on the head. Well, listen, we're getting ready to take our next break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about evidence and uh, chat a few minutes about that. So, uh, folks, stay with us. We've got some interesting uh, topics to cover here. So we'll be back right after this message. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, 
a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is TV. TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. And we are back for round three of Paranormal Stakeout tonight with my guest, Greg Faketic. Is that a little bit better? That was perfect. Okay. All right. <laughs> Greg Faketic from the uh, Tri-C Ghost Hunters based out of uh, northern Ohio, my old stomping ground. So, uh, Greg, when we were talking in the last uh, segment there, we, we were discussing a little bit about your team. I want to talk a little bit about evidence. You've, you've told me, um, you know, that you're you're big into the EVPs. That's, that's your favorite or most uh, productive type of evidence, mm-hmm. to, correct? Correct. Um, what is what is the most paralyzing, the scariest piece of evidence you've ever uncovered? Well, I mean, uh, I, I'm one of these people where I pretty much don't see anything. You know, we have uh, we've investigated a couple places. Like um, I used to be the ghost hunt manager at the old St. Joseph Hospital, where mm-hmm. a lot of apparitions have been seen. I never got to see an apparition, you know, or people get to see these, you know, shadow figures. And I never got to see one of those. Uh, But I do have a lot of physical, uh, for lack of a better term, attacks. Mm -hmm. Uh, And some of those have been pretty, pretty, uh, for me, terrifying. Uh, uh, The most terrifying one that I've ever encountered was at a... uh, a haunted location called the Rhodes Hotel in Atlanta, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first night that we were there, uh, we were investigating. My, my wife and I were investigating up in the, the second floor. And we, we heard a noise coming down from the, the far end of the hall. So I went down to investigate, and uh, I went into this one bedroom. Uh, it's called the Madame's Bedroom. Uh, back in the 20s, 30s, it used to be a brothel. So, you know, uh, prostitutes used to hang out there. And this uh, apparently was the madame's bedroom. So I went in there, you know, stood there, listened, nothing. Uh, started walking out the door. And as soon as I walked out the door, it, it felt like I had my throat slashed. Uh, Interesting. And- immediately i mean a burning painful sensation across my throat i mean i i like yelled and then i just put my hands to my throat and i couldn't say anything i was just gasping uh my wife come running and she's like what's going on what what and i'm like i i i couldn't say anything i'm just holding my throat with my like eyes as big as quarters uh eventually the pain subsided and I, i told her what had happened uh, but that that was probably the most harrowing experience uh, that I've ever had. Uh, now, has his, the history of the establishment uh, substantiated anybody with that type of neck injury there? See, that was the, you know, one of my um, thoughts, you know, was I feeling some residual energy that happened, you know, you know, you know, 100 years ago. 
what uh, was somebody stabbed there? And I know there were stabbings and shootings and deaths and stuff like that. Uh, but I'm not, of course, you know, back when it was a brothel and a speakeasy, nothing was, you know, documented or reported mm-hmm. uh, because all, all that stuff was illegal back there during prohibition. Uh, so that, that would be, you know, kind of hard to, to find out. Uh, but I do know that uh, apparently the madame didn't like uh, men. Ah, okay. So, who knows? Now that that was the first time that we were there. Uh, the the second time that that we went, uh, you, you could actually spend the night and sleep in those rooms. So the the second time we went, uh, my wife wanted to sleep in the madame's room, and I'm like, uh-huh. oh, awesome! This is going to be fantastic. I'm going <laughs> to sleep in a room where she, you know, she doesn't like me. Well, come that night, you know, I was sleeping. Um, woke up with a really intense pain in, in my side. It almost mm-hmm. felt like I got slashed or stabbed again in, in the side. Uh, so the the next night we stayed there, I begged for her not to hurt me anymore, and I, I slept okay that night. <laughs> well, uh, and those are the types of pieces of evidence, if you will, or experiences that make it so tough for us to prove the existence of, because mm-hmm. you, you don't record it. It's something that's happened to you. Right. But when you collect evidence, say it's an EVP, what do you guys do with it? How do you preserve it? What do you do to um, uh, share it yet keep it uh, uh, sterile, if you will? Okay. Um, what I what I do, I mean, uh, we don't share it online. Uh, I, I know a lot of teams do. And actually, I was thinking about posting our some of our evidence online. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... You know, a lot of the evidence, too, that we get from private homes or private businesses. You really uh, can't. Y- yeah. Well, well, we can. You, you know, um, it, you just can't say the location or anything. I mean, sure. if you got an EVP and you're like, what's your name? And it comes back and say, Michael, you know, that's not going to, you know, d- um, give away the location. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but uh, um no, what we will do, you know, we'll do the reveal with our clients. And if we do get anything, you know, we'll give them copies of it and, and explain to them why we think it could possibly be paranormal. We never say anything is definitely paranormal because, you know, you don't know. But what I do, I do presentations on the paranormal, you know, throughout, you know, Northeast Ohio. And that's where I like to educate people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll, I'll yeah, and my, my presentation is based off off my books, and I do have a lot of evidence, uh, you know, from my investigations. So I, you know, I I do that, and you know, there's always skeptics in the crowd, and it's like, you know what, you know, I understand you're skeptic, but please come up with a logical explanation for some of the stuff that I'm going to show you and let let you hear. Mm-hmm. If you can come up with a logical explanation, I'd be more than willing to listen. But nobody can. They all just sit there with their, you know, mouths open and their jaws drop because some of the stuff is kind of amazing. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Some of the stuff that I've been able to to collect. But what do you do with this evidence? You 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 do a how you investigate a house. You get a really clear uh, class A EVP, and it's unmistakable. You've been able to show that it wasn't anybody else in the room. What do you do with that piece of evidence, and where does it sit five years from now, or does it? I, I actually save every piece of evidence that I've ever had, and I actually have everything on uh, external hard drives on my computer. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I, you know, Back when I first started, you know, we all, you know, had the little mini cassette tapes. Sure. And and I I have those filed away. So pretty much everything I have is just filed away. Now, thinking like, I'm thinking in cop mode right now. Right. uh, Does anybody else have access to it? For example, could somebody else get to it? and, And could you take it to court and not have a defense attorney say, what's the chain of custody here? Nobody else has access to it. Uh, I guess my, my wife would uh, if she knew where, where the stuff was at. Uh, <laughs> but Or if somebody, you know, got into my computer and was able to, to find it or broke into my house and yeah. went and I mean, there's always files. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I, it, 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 it's secure enough that I'm satisfied. 
what what I'm getting at, I guess, uh, in a roundabout way, is what do we what are we as a as a field as a um, an industry, for lack of a better term, doing with this evidence so that other people could use it? For example, I believe you told me you do things like uh, like we do, you moon phases, solar flares, mm-hmm. temperature, weather. You know, if you're getting a piece of evidence that occurs under these circumstances, and I get something that is similar down here in Florida under very similar circumstances, wouldn't it be great if I could somehow nexus that information and put that together to say, hey, look, it happened up in Ohio. It happened here. Conditions were essentially the same. Have we got something here? Yes. Yes. I I, I like that, where people could submit, you know, the, the date and time that they captured it, uh, humidity, the barometer, uh, yep. temperature, um, you know, the moon phases, any solar flares, um, mm-hmm. anything like that, and put it into one area where you could, uh, you know, search all those and see if you get a correlation. Yeah, uh, that, that's a great idea. Yeah, well, and, and that's you know that's something that you know I'm I'm working on that, and that's part of my my big vision. I mean, we've got lots of folks out there that enjoy it, and I'm not going to take this that away from they go out on the weekends just to have fun. But there's got to be a point where we are trying to find out what this really is. Is it is it the afterlife? Is it the Einstein's uh, theories of parallel dimensions? Is it our own minds making this up? I mean, we I want to I w- and maybe I'm being a little pie in the sky, but I would like to see us get into a direction where we could come to some resolution at some point. Yeah. That, that would be fantastic. I, I mean, I, I would love that. I mean, uh, you know, for the stuff that, that I have, I mean, I, I would think I I would submit it with the information I I have. Sure. Uh, Of course, you know, back in, you know, when I first started investigating, you know, we didn't have the, the cell phones where, you know, if I go to a residence now, I just go to my my weather app and boom, take a, a snapshot of it. You know, it gives me all the information right there. Sure, so it's easy. It, it is a lot easier right now. Of course, I mean, my first investigation was with a big giant VHS camera, you know, with no night vision. Or how about using a compass to check for uh, EMF uh, fields, mm-hmm. <laughs> something yeah. like that. Right. So, yeah, t- times have changed. But that's, that's the other thing, too, Greg. We have done almost nothing in the field to advance the techniques that we're using. Oh, yeah, this, sometimes we'll get a, a prettier-looking uh, EMF detector or maybe a fancier new uh, voice recorder. But what have we really done in our field to advance to the next level in Nothing that I can think of. I mean, the only think only of. advancements are like like you said. You know, hey, I come out with this new piece of equipment. Yeah. You know, well, that that that's pretty pretty much it. But well, we're getting ready to take our next break. When we get back, though, I want to talk to you about a topic called paranormal tourism, and this is where uh, the reformatory and the old St. Joseph's is going to come into play. So, folks, stay with us. We're going to talk about paranormal tur- tourism when we come back. They're here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzulli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Christopher Fulton is a survivor of the National Security State. 
All he wanted to do was preserve history when he acquired a Cartier watch from the estate of President Kennedy's personal secretary. But that simple act set off a terrible chain reaction. He was pursued by the U.S. Justice Department and the FBI, thrust into the middle of the U.S. government's Assassination Records Review Board, even monitored and pursued by the Russian government. All because that Cartier watch was the missing link of evidence, a timepiece worn by JFK that fateful day in Dallas, a link resulting in Christopher being incarcerated and attacked for nine years because he opened a hidden chapter in history. The intriguing journey outlined fully in Christopher Fulton's memoir, The Inheritance, is available now through Trinday.com or Amazon.com. The Inheritance, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination by Christopher and Michelle Fulton is a must-read, an incredible tale of how easily our own government can overrule justice. The Inheritance, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination. And welcome back for this final session here tonight on Paranormal Stakeout with my guest, Greg Fitketic. I butchered it again, Greg. Sorry, but no, that was good. That was action. good. Okay. He's with the Tri C Ghost Hunters based in Ohio. Now, are you out of Twinsburg, out of Twinsburg, Ohio? No, no. I'm, I'm out of uh, North Ridgeville, Ohio, which is on okay. the west side of Cleveland. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I invite you to take a look at Greg's website at www.tcghohio.org. That's uh, tcghohio.org, and you can find all, uh, all about uh, Greg's team and what they're doing. also would like to invite you to go to www.xzbn.net. That's the uh, place to go to find all the great programming on the X-Zone Radio and Television Broadcast Network and find out what's going on at uh, Command Central in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and hear all the great shows. Also, uh, check me out at www.paranormalfbi.com. That is my uh, team's website, and you can catch me here on the show at www.paranormalfbi.com paranormalstakeout.com so let me know uh, your thoughts out there folks uh, send me some notes and tell me some topics you'd like to hear Greg in our last few minutes together and we got I mean we could be talking about stuff all night so unfortunately <laughs> got to condense a lot of this but right um, part of what I do down here in Florida I've got the uh, Florida Bureau of Paranormal Investigation that's my team my outreach as I like to call is uh, Indian River Hauntings where I do something similar to what you do up at uh, the reformatory I, I try teach people I try to show them what this field is and what it's not um, as well as give them history and and teach them a little bit about the paranormal you're, you're working in the Ohio State Reformatory. I mean, people have gone. I mean, my, my brother still lives up in Toledo, and uh, that's his dream to come down and visit you. Mm -hmm. This this world of paranormal tourism, uh, folks coming and wanting to uh, experience. I can't really say investigate because it's really an experience for them. Right. Um, uh, how how does that work at the reformatory? What type of people show up? Do you have? Folks that, that are repeat customers, uh, do you get a lot of new folks every time? How does your situation work up there? We do get a lot of repeat customers, but it still amazes me the amount of new mm -hmm. people that come through the reformatory, people that have never been there before. Uh, it, it's just amazing. And we got, you know, you got your, your new people who have never done an investigation before, mm -hmm. and they're doing some, some of the, our, you know, public or private uh, ghost hunts. Uh, and then you got the experienced ones who come there, you know, you know, three, four times a year, it seems. I, I was just talking to someone the other day, and uh, actually in the entertainment business, and he made the comment that uh, there seems to be a resurgence. I, I don't know if there is or isn't in the um, in Hollywood with uh, with the shows. But I will tell you this: uh, I have the same thing you you're having there. I I get new people all the time that want to come and learn and find out what it's about, kind of kind of discover what what the unknown is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I have not seen a drop off, which kind of surprised me. No, uh, and you're not either, I guess. No, no. Um, like the next. Let me see. What is we got Thursday? I'll be there Thursday night. I'll be there Friday, uh, Saturday night. I'll be there Sunday night. I'll be there Monday night. 
And those are all, you know, ghost hunts that, that people have booked. You know, sometimes I'm there four times a, a week, and there's one time where I'll be there, you know, five times in a row just for people who have, uh, you know, booked their either private hunts or mm-hmm. public hunts. It, it just amazes me. And I, I think that there, you know, it died down for a, a little. You know, when Ghost Hunters first uh, came out, I mean, it was I mean, skyrocket. Everybody wanted to investigate, and it was really cool. And then Ghost Adventures came out, and it you know went up higher. But then everything slowly died down. Mm-hmm. And now there's a resurgence. I mean, you got the Travel Channel that all their programming now is paranormal, uh, and you've got all these you know paranormal movies coming out. So there's uh-huh. there's, a, there's a, a spike again. It's just like in police work. You know, you go through those years where people it's are like all cyclic. Yeah, yes, it is. How do you keep it real, Greg? I mean, I've talked to folks um, in different places, and to them it's just a a show. To them it's just an – it strictly is, and it is entertainment. I'm not going to deny that, but, I mean, to them it's just, ah, we're just doing it for – to make a buck. How do you keep it real? Well, for one thing, we don't make bucks on our – private resident investigations mm-hmm. uh i mean like well, most paranormal teams uh, you know you, you don't charge right uh, and but i mean uh, like at the at the reformatory how do you keep keep it real i i you know i just love seeing people's expressions when they come in uh just the excitement uh and uh you know, I'm there all the time, and yeah, I, I do have experiences, uh, but uh, you know, I don't get excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I keep it logical, uh, and I think that that that's a big factor you, you, in the paranormal field. You have to be logical in all this stuff. Uh, you know, there has to be logical explanations. You know, being police officers, you know, you got there's got to be logical explanations, you know, for everything that happens. Uh, yeah. Sometimes, oh, yeah. Some, sometimes you can't find those logical explanations. Right. Uh, you, you know, and it's just, you know, I'm, I just keep it real and honest with our guests. OK. And, uh, and the reason I'm asking this is one of the terms that I use with with folks that I'm taking on tours that we have at our events is ghost hunting's like fishing. Sometimes they're biting, sometimes they're not, and I can't control it. Yeah. Well, what we say to the people is, you know, our ghosts are not on the payroll here. Okay. So, you know, we cannot guarantee that they're going to want to come out and interact with you. But what I always do when I open up before a hunt, uh, I, I always talk with them. I'm like, hey, we got a new group coming in. You know, let's give them a good show. <laughs> you know, it's like trying to, you know, psych them up. And then at the end, regardless if anything happens or not, I'll walk throughout the building and as I'm closing up and thank them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very similar, very similar uh, routine to me. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the phonies out there? I mean, there are people out there, and I'm sure you've probably run into them. I have. Uh, they're just flat charlatans. Yes. yes. Oh gosh! Don't get me started. Well, I yeah. want to get you started because I yeah. want to know how we how we can do this honestly and police ourselves. So give me your thoughts. Well, I mean, if we have those, and and I I've had people at the reformatory, and you know, I I had this one guy, and he said that he d- does like um, how many? It was like 300, 400 investigations a year. Gee. And I'm like. What? I'm like, so you're telling me that you investigate every day of the week for 52 I, weeks? Yeah, I do. I'm retired. This is all I do. Ah, uh, nah. And I basically told him, I'm like, there's no way. Uh-huh. Uh, every every other group I talk to or person, you know, it's like, there ain't no way that that guy's doing, you know, unless he goes to a cemetery, walks around and says it's an investigation. But, you know, it's like, come on, be real. Don't try to make yourself any better than anybody else. You think because you got way more investigations, you know, that makes you uh, more experienced? No. I'm, it it, it kind of makes you look bad if you ask me. 
It does, and, and that goes in again to the training and standardization aspect I was discussing earlier. I mean, if we all agreed to a certain level of standards and and what it took to conduct an investigation, what an investigation really was, I think we could also monitor that a whole lot better. But what worries me are people that conduct events and tours that truly, truly aren't aren't dedicated to the field, aren't interested in the field, and they're just in it for a fast buck. And I'm not talking about the home investigations. Right. I'm talking about, uh, you know, putting on events. Uh, yep. I, uh, I came across somebody not too long ago, and I'm not going to, I can't go into any details, but the guy looked at me, told him he was a, me- told me he was a member of our business and he had to get out because of an injury in the line of duty. And it was a lie. Mm-hmm. It was a lie. And uh, obviously cut ties with that situation. But there are folks out there, and I think we need to be, if, if we're going to not only investigate, but also share our, our knowledge and our experience with the public, we need to be able to police ourselves. Would yeah. you agree? Yes. And in fact, uh, I was just, uh, I, I was at a public hunt on Saturday night, and there, there was a couple people that I, you know, I, sh- I sh- showed around for a little while. And they were like, you know, other places that we've been, I'm not saying names, but every little noise or K2 goes off. They're like, ooh, look, at that's paranormal. There, There's a spirit right here right now with you. Mm-hmm. And, and they're like, and that's not how it is. And we like how it is here because you're not sensationalizing every time a K2 goes off. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there are all those people that, they, you know, I, I don't know if they're trying to make their place seem more active and more haunted than other locations by telling people because your K2 went off. Well, you know, there's a ghost standing right there beside you, you know, or it's just that they are not educated and trained into how to use some of the equipment. And there could be a little bit of both. Well, yeah. I got we're, we're about done. I hate to say we're about done, but I got to ask you a quick question. Yeah, on the job, you ever caught somebody trespassing and ghost hunting at the same time? <laughs> I've caught people in cemeteries, yes. Okay, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Greg, right. I really appreciate you being with us tonight. Folk, it was a great show. Folks, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, be with us next week for another great guest and another great show. And until then, we'll see all of you on the other side. Have a good night, folks. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. 
You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today.